Let's all stand our feet. Let's have our men that will come, and let's just gather around the altar. How many of you are glad to be here tonight? Amen? Amen. Are you really glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Four of you are. Well, I hope the rest of you will be before we get through tonight. Let's pray. The Lord is glorious, isn't he? He really is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being such a wonderful Lord. And Father, help us tonight. Lord, help us in our life that you would be to us all that you should be, that we'll look upon you as a great God, a glorious God, that we'd live every day standing in awe of who you are, moved by the very thoughts of you and what you can be to us and what you are to us. For all these things, we give you praise. Touch our service tonight. Anoint us and breathe upon us. Give us what we need tonight. Stir us, challenge us, stretch us. Lord, to follow you and believe you. So bless this service now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's sing and worship. Let our ushers come forward to receive her offering. Encourage you to give tonight. Be faithful in your giving, and the Lord will bless you for it. Let's pray. Father, bless the offering now. Continue to move in this service, honoring the Lord Jesus in every detail. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
dying, no more trouble or strife. We will live through the ages by that beautiful tree of life. With some glad tomorrow, with the saints I'll stand. I'll put on a crown and walk around. I love God's promised land. Oh, glory, what a wonderful day.
You may be seated. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord for his goodness. <laughs> I tell you, I'm so excited. I find myself crying going down the road and just working around the house, and I just start weeping and praising the Lord. <laughs> There's such a peace in my heart, and I just thank him. And I know that some of you are going through desperate storms. And I know you don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know one who does. And I know one who holds tomorrow. And he holds you, and he can take care of you. And most of all, he can give you peace in the midst of the storm. When the world that I've been living in collapses at my feet, and when life is all tattered and torn, see I've been windswept, I've been battered, but I can cling to.
everyone standing tonight, please, when we all get to heaven. Let's get out right now, though, and shake hands. Make everyone feel welcome tonight. Familiar, we've heard it all. 
so true. Amen. Aaron, I want you to come. Aaron's going to help me uh, do something tonight before I bring the message uh, tonight from the Word of God. We had our faith banquet on Friday night and uh, of course many came in to learn about faith and also we recognized different ones in faith. We're beginning going into our fall semester beginning August the 9th. But uh, this past year has just or the past semester has just been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful semester. And uh, 45, I believe it was, in faith in the last semester. And I was going through all the sign-ups today, this afternoon, looking at them. And uh, right now we had about 64 that are 
are going to be participating in faith in the fall semester, so we're excited about that. I want to just recognize a few people tonight. I want, of course, I want to recognize our leaders from the uh, spring semester of faith. We had 15 leaders, and we had four assistant leaders. When I call your name, I want you all to stand, and then when they all stand, we'll give them all a good hand. But these are the leaders from our spring semester of faith. Tony Bennett, Ronnie Brown, Luther Childers, Tommy Eller, LeRae Eli, Aaron Hampton, Janice Haney, Wanda Housley, Roy Phipps, Eric Price, Arlen Smith, Sherry Trivet, Terry Trivet, John Vandegriff, Mike West, and then these were assistant leaders, and leaders are, of course, those who've gone through a semester of faith. Assistant leaders have gone through a semester of faith, but they have chosen to be an assistant to a leader. These were our assistants this past semester, Beverly Childers, Pat Eller, Rhonda West, and Jessica West. Let's give all of our leaders a good hand. We appreciate all of you. You did a great job. Amen. Again, leaders are those who have gone through a semester of faith. A semester is 16 weeks on Thursday nights, and they have completed faith and then have decided to come back and to train others and what they were trained in the uh, semester they went through. But these are our learners, and as I call your name, I want you to come and just, Aaron has a certificate for you. This is to recognize your completion of your semester of faith. These are our faith graduates. And uh, we, I, I'm so proud of all of them. They did such a wonderful job. And faith is a commitment. Make no bones about it. It's a commitment for those who go through it. And it's not just something you float in and do and float out and whatever, but this is a real commitment on those who really go through it. And we're so pleased about them and proud of them. And as I call your name, you just come, and as when we get them all through, then we'll give them all good hand. As I call your name, just come in order as I call your name. And Aaron has these certificates in order as I call your name. These are our learners, and they have completed the spring semester of faith. Lisa Bennett, Brenda Brown, James or Carrie Brown, James Brown, Larry Camp Jr., Larry Chapman, Mark and Janet Corbett, Joel Eller. Didn't Joel do good on the uh, clarinet there a while ago? Appreciate these young people using their gifts and talents for the Lord. Matt and Tilly Fletcher. Vivian Fletcher. Steve and Tammy Green. Emily and Kevin Hawkins. Ryan Leatherwood. Angie McGoy. Michael and Whitney Smith. Angel Trivet. 
Kim Turnmeyer, Doris Webb, Robert and Sherry Wiley, and Joe Williams. Some of them are not here tonight. All of you that have just completed a semester of faith, would you stand please? All of you that received a certificate, let's give them a good hand. Praise the Lord for you. What's so thrilling about many of these is they're coming back as leaders next semester. And we're going to, I think today as I was counting them, we'll have 23 faith teams that will be going out next semester. And that is exciting. And over 60, and, I am, and more becoming, I'm sure, folks going out every week. And what thrills me, faith is such an exciting time. If you ever become a part of faith, it will become a part of your life. And you live from one semester to the next semester. And it's like this summer month, it's just like part of my whole life is missing. And I can't wait till we get started back in our next semester there. But we meet at 6 o'clock on every Thursday. We go out, and of course we have our, our team time, and then of course there's our teaching time, and then we go out at 7 o'clock. We're back about 8.15 for our celebration time. And it's just a wonderful. There's been just some nights when God's presence was so real as we came back and given reports and different things. But what is so thrilling about many of these that this past semester in visitation and going out and sharing the gospel and sharing their faith, sharing their Sunday school testimony or sharing evangelistic testimony, for the biggest part of them, they had never been on visitation before. And so they went out this past semester, and here's what thrills me. They're coming back next semester going to be training other people how to share their faith. Isn't that exciting? And that's what it's all about, and I praise the Lord for it. Let's give all of our faith workers another good hand. Thank the Lord for you. And I'm excited about all the new ones that are coming in next semester, and it will be a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience for you. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 2. I hope you're ready. Are you ready for what the Lord wants to do? You don't know for sure, do you? Amen. I hope you're ready. Nehemiah 2. Let's stand as we honor the reading of His Word. Nehemiah 2. I want us to begin reading in verse 11. I'm going to read down through verse 20. And we'll walk our way through this story tonight. In so doing, pave the way for sharing with you what we feel like God is leading us to do and where we feel like God is leading us. We've been talking for a number of weeks about sharing the vision. We've talked about a number of things and all of it to lead up to this particular service tonight to put before you where we feel that God is leading us. The Bible in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 11 said... Nehemiah testifies and said, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain, 
and to the king's pole. But there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did. Neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. You notice the latter part of verse 18. The Bible said, So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And then tonight, we'll think about they strengthened their hands. Let's pray. Our Father, tonight in Jesus' name, it has already been a joy to be in the house of the Lord. What a blessing it is to be able to come and to worship. What a blessing it is to be able to come into the house of the Lord and to express our feelings and to express our gratitude and to express our joy and excitement about being a child of God. We could never praise you enough. We could never thank you enough. You've done so many things for you. But Lord, accept our offerings of thanksgiving and accept our offerings of praise and accept our offerings of worship. You've done so much for us and we thank you. Now, Father, tonight we ask you that the Spirit of the Lord now might settle among us and that you might, Lord, help us to see tonight your plans and purposes for us as believers and particularly for this body of believers. Lead us, guide us, direct us. You are the God of heaven. And we look to you to be submissive to your will and totally dead to self, crucifying anything about ourselves and totally surrendering to you that we might be led by the Spirit and that we might have the mind of Christ in everything that we do. So, Father, we look to you now. Speak to us tonight in Jesus' name. And for Jesus' sake we pray and ask these things. Amen. We've been talking for a number of weeks about the future. We've been talking for a number of weeks about where we want to go and what we want to do. And what we believe the Lord is doing us, or doing for us and leading us to do. I believe as a church there are two ways that we can look at the future. I believe that there are two ways that this church can look at the future. I believe one of the ways we can look at the future is look at it from the viewpoint of what we would want to do. 
I think we could look at it and say, well, we'd like to do this or we would like to go there. We would like to start this. We would like to build this. That is one way we can look at the future, about what we want to do and where we want to go. But I believe there's another way we can look at the future. And that is not only from the viewpoint of what we want to do, but from the viewpoint of what God wants to do. And I think they're totally two different things. I do believe that if we do what God wants us to do and we're submissive to the will of God, that He will put a desire in there and what we want to do would be controlled by Him. But it's not so much that we do what we want to do. It's not that we sit around and come up with ideals and say, so-and-so is doing this, and this is what so-and-so is doing. I think we ought to try this, or we ought to do that. No, I think it's a matter of saying, Lord, what do you want to do? This is your place. This is your people. This is your ministry. And you have a specific work for us to do. And there is a particular thing that you want to do with us and by us and through us. So, Lord, what do you want to do? I believe tonight if we approach the future and seek only to bring fulfillment to what we want, at the very best, all we'll have is a testimony of human achievement. If all we think about is doing our own little thing and doing what we want to do, when it's all said and done, all that we'll build here is a memorial to human achievement. But on the other hand, if we seek to do what God wants to do, and we seek to do that which has been ordained by the Lord, we will end up with the testimony not of human achievement, but we'll end up with the testimony of divine ability. And that's what we want. We don't want to be a testimony. We don't want to draw attention to ourselves. It's not so much that people think so much about Temple Baptist. We are but a vehicle to bring people to God. And when it's all said and done, we want this place and whatever happens here to be a memorial that we serve the God of heaven. And God is able to bless and God is able to move. I think you would all agree with me in recent days, there has been an awareness of God in this place that has been very, very special. I think there has been a sense of the presence of the Lord and there has been a sense of the working of God. Very unique, very special, and which we're extremely grateful. And I think you would all agree with me that in recent days there's been a moving of God that has been very, very exciting. I'm not talking about just what is happening in the services. I'm talking about young people surrendering their life to full-time service. People that are away from God, giving their lives back to God. People saying, I want to put Christ first and I'm going to live for God. Friend, I want to tell you something. That's what God does in hearts of people and God gets the credit and credit alone. Amen? That's a moving of the Lord. Because at the very best, we might entertain, but we can't change lives. But when God is at work, He can do more in five minutes than I can do in five years. But we have sensed God, and there's been awareness of God that has been special, and there has been a moving of God that has been exciting. See, there's been the things that God has done in hearts, and there have been the things that God has put in hearts. Can I say that again? In days past, in recent days, there have been the things that God has done in hearts and there have been the things that God has put in hearts. And I take you to the story of Nehemiah. We read it a moment ago. The story of Nehemiah is a thrilling story. It's a story of a man who called a burden for a particular situation. He called a burden for what should be done. And he called a burden for what could be done. 
It is a story that illustrates the principles of leadership in God's work and in how God leads his people into certain works and what can be accomplished if a person or a people is willing to listen to God, to seek God, to believe God, and to follow God. See, the book of Nehemiah is a wonderful book to read and learn and study and glean principles from, whether you're serving God full-time or in your life day by day. It's a tremendous story and a wonderful story. about. Some friends came by one day. Nehemiah was a king's cupbearer. He had a very prestigious position there with the king. And so one day some of the buddies came by and they began to talk to him and began to tell him about the condition of the city of Jerusalem. For example, you notice in chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible said, And they said unto me, they, the friends, Hananiah and different ones, they said unto me in verse 3, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. His friends began to tell Nehemiah the condition of the holy city of Jerusalem. To a Jew, that was the Mecca. That was the holy place. It was the beloved city of the Jew. And now the friends are coming in. They're telling him the temple is in waste. The walls are down. And the city is in a terrible condition. And so they begin to tell him about the existing conditions. And when Nehemiah heard the conditions and heard the report, it broke his heart. Chapter 1 and verse 4. The Bible said it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. When Nehemiah learned about the conditions, it just tore him out of his frame. When Nehemiah learned about the conditions, it broke his heart. And so Nehemiah began to pray. And he began to pray that God would do something. And he began to pray that God would do something about the existing conditions. And there came a point that Nehemiah not only prayed, but he made himself available to God to do something about the condition that existed. Look in chapter 2 and notice verse 5. And I said unto the king, Nehemiah testifies, If it please the king, and if thy servant hath found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, under the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. Nehemiah got a broken heart. And Nehemiah began to pray, God, my beloved city is in ruins. Lord, would you do something? Would you, Lord, send someone there? Lord, would you work in that situation there? And finally, at a certain point, Nehemiah makes himself available. And he says to God, and he says to the king, I want to do something about the conditions. So he makes himself available to God. And you read in the story that when Nehemiah began to make himself available to God, God began to speak and God began to lead and God began to make known his will. Chapter 2 and verse 12, we read it a moment ago. Said, and I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast, beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. At first, Nehemiah kept things to himself. God had put something in his heart, and he kept those things to himself. He pondered them in his heart, and he allowed God to speak to him. And in verses 12 through 15 that we read a moment ago, he takes a night visit of the city. He gets out on the broken walls, and he goes over to this section, and he looks, and I can see him and imagine in my mind what was going on in the heart of Nehemiah. He looks at the city, and he thinks, God, this is not right. This is your city. 
This is the place that we worship. This is where all eyes of the Jewish people are turned. This is the home of the Jew. This is a home where God dwells on the earth. Lord, this is not right. He goes over here and he goes over there. And I can imagine that as he goes through that night and goes from place to place, he's listening to God and he's thinking and he's pondering these things in his heart. Then there came that moment that he shared with others what God had put in his heart to do. And he began to describe the need and made others aware of the need. We read it in verse 17. Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. He shares with them. He brings them to an awareness, this is how things are. They knew it. But Nehemiah now has it in his heart. This is what he, he sees the need and God has put it in his heart to do something about the need. Now he wants others to see the need. Now he wants others to realize, hey, look, it's more than just walls that are down. This is the beloved city of God that is in ruins. He wants them to see the need. So beginning in verse 18, he begins to share with them what he wants to do. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. And he says to them, latter part of verse 18, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. How did the people answer? Verse 19, or verse 19, verse 20, rather than I answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build, but you have no portion to write, no memorial in Jerusalem. You see, God began to do something when somebody got a burden for doing something. They caught a vision for what God wanted to do. And God began to put things in the heart and began to share with others. And others got the vision for what could be done and what should be done. And the people began to believe God. And the people began to follow God. And the people began to trust God. And God did some amazing things in Nehemiah. I believe tonight that we as a church are at the same point. I believe we are at the same point that you would find Nehemiah in chapter 2. I believe that God is blessing. I believe that. I believe you believe that. Do you believe he's blessing? Say amen. I believe that God is working. I believe that God is moving. I believe that God is speaking. And I believe that God is guiding. And I believe that God has brought us to a place where we'll decide if we want to remain as we are. And if we want to remain where we are and keep things as they are or become a testimony on the corner of 3200 Rossville Boulevard of what God can do in a people that will believe Him and in a people that will submit themselves to Him and a people that will trust Him. I believe that's where we are. I believe that's the place we are tonight. Over the past few weeks, I have talked to you about several things. I've talked to you about prayer. I've talked to you about worship, services, celebrating the goodness of the Lord, and I've talked to you about the matter of reaching people. And I want you to understand tonight that those are the three pillars of what Temple Baptist Church is all about, and it's what it's going to be about. 
Now, many churches may decide that we're going to build this way and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to build this and we're going to do this and this is our ideal and this is our direction and this is our goal and whatever. But I want to go on record tonight. I want you to understand that there are basically three things. If this church goes anywhere for God and does anything for God, anything we do is going to be built upon these three things. And it'll be built because somebody prayed and it'll be built because people worshiped God and it'll be built because people took God God and his word and they began to go after people that's what it's all about we're not getting off on nine different little rabbit trails and doing this and doing that everything we do is gonna have one goal in mind we're gonna pray the power down we're gonna celebrate when we come to church and we're going after people that's what it's all about and that's what we're about that's what everything is designed for and that's what we want to do that's where we want to go and all of those kind of things I, like, I guess by summing up, if anything happens here in the years to come, and God grant that it will, and if somewhere down the road somebody looks and says, how did it happen? Someone said, what happened over there? What went on? What caused that to happen? And we, well, we'll have to simply say people prayed, people worshiped, and we went after people. That's, that'll either work or it'll fail. But I believe it's the principles of the Word of God. I believe it works. Amen? Amen? So where we go, where we want to go, and what we want to do is because of those three things. Pray, worship, and win people to God. So what we want to do and the things that we want to put before you it's for the reason, it's because of those three reasons. I've been talking for weeks and leading you up to this moment tonight when I said to you, we want to share with you what I feel God has put in my heart and what we as deacons and leaders feel that God is leading us to do and what we believe will help us to do what we feel like we ought to be doing, praying, worshiping, and winning people to the Lord. Are you ready? Tell you what we believe. This is our goal. So now, I'm through preaching. No, I'm not. I'm not. Tell you what we want to do. It's where we believe that God is wanting us to go. You've been ready. You've been waiting for me to tell you this is what we feel God is leading us to do. These are the things that we're actually going to put before you tonight. This is what we feel that God wants us to do and where we want to go. And we feel like this is the will of God for the church. One of the things that we want to do, I'm going to put them on the screen as I name them. There's three basic things, two of them primary. The third one falls into it because of the need that exists at the moment. One of the things that we want to do as a church is once again take the church back into a TV ministry. And the reasons being, many of you or some of you were here back in the early 70s. This church back in the early 70s had a uh, phenomenal growth time back in the 70s something very similar to what is going on now. And then it had a few years that things went down. But back in the 70s, you experienced, you had a, had a wonderful time of growth. Brother Burgess was here then. It was about the time that I first came in when I was a college student in 1974 and uh, different things like that. But uh, you had a time of growth. One of the factors and key factors uh, in the growth of this church at that time was your TV ministry. Some of you may remember it, the call of Calvary. That's, that's where I learned about Brother Burgess. You see him on TV and there's this guy with his big teeth and his hair about five inches on top of his head. You remember that? Call of Calvary. 
But the TV ministry gave the church exposure. It introduced the church to people. It made known to people what God was doing here at that particular time. The people in the city were introduced to so many things that went on here. Uh, to the youth choir and to the music and the singers and different things. And most important, is introduced to the pastor and the preaching of the Word of God. Now, we live in a media age, and TV is one of the most effective ways to get the church before the public. It's one of the most effective ways uh, to get the gospel out. It allows us, it would allow us to get into homes quicker than any other way. I did a, radio, a daily radio broadcast here for over 10 years, every day, 4.45. Many of you remember that, 4.45, every day. I did it live for a number of years, every day. And then we began to tape it and whatever like that. I remember a wonderful experience, exciting experience of taping it live. I had to be home at 4.45 every day. And I remember when the kids were little and we were living in Hickson at the time. I remember uh, the, uh, one of the kids left the door open and a squirrel got in the house. And it got into my study. So here it is getting time for me to go on the air and this squirrel bouncing from wall to wall in my study. I wasn't about Jesus or no Jesus. I wasn't going in there and doing no broadcast. So I called and said, I can't make it today. But it's on and on. But I did that for 10 years. But TV, I remember when we did the little 30-second spots. You remember when we did those? I did several of those. I don't remember how many I did. We did them for two or three years. And it was those 30-second spots. I think we had 40, uh, 40 or 50 that we did that was on uh, channel, some were on channel 3, some were on channel 9, and whatever like that. I remember they would give me a printout, different things, and they would, what they would call impressions. At 6 o'clock, during the news, if we had one on there, we would make so many impressions, 100,000 impressions or 600,000 impressions or whatever like that, meaning it would be according to the past studies and ratings and whatever like that, that there would be over 600,000 or 100,000, whatever the numbers were, that would see that particular spot. And it was the most effective thing that I have ever done here and the most effective thing that we have done in my soon-be 15 years here. And I still to this day meet people and I pass someone that says, I, you used to be on TV, I saw you on TV and whatever there. It is one of the most effective things that we can do. And a TV ministry is more about us, it's about the matter of reaching people. That's what we're here for, you understanding me? We want to reach people. And we want to take our dollars and use them in the most effective way that we can to reach people. And that's what it's all about. I believe TV would be good for us. I'll never forget this. And it has been a haunting statement to me for, these, for a number of years. But I remember during our 4th of July program, we have for a number of years, we've had everybody you can think of that's been here for that 4th of July program. State senators, state representatives, uh, you name it. Every politician in town uh, from every particular uh, area and politician, mayor, everybody. We've had them all here down through the years. And I don't remember who it was, and I've tried and tried to remember who it was, but someone that was here, one of our, the politicians, either state, one of our state representatives or someone, but they were here, but they walked up to me after the service, and they made this statement. They said to me, this is the best kept secret in Chattanooga. And what they were saying is, we didn't know that there was this kind of church over here. You see, friend, I'm talking about, we don't want to be sitting over here as a secret. We want to get out. And we want to reach people. And I believe a TV ministry will give us one of the most effective tools that we can have for reaching people. I've talked with other pastors and churches, churches and different things, and they told me, and they've all shared with me, I've looked, talked to this one and talked to that one, and they've all shared with me, 
the impact that it had in their church and how it was a turning point in their church. And I believe that we, we are the kind of church that will be effective on TV and I believe that it will help us to reach people. That's the first thing that we want to do. The second thing that we believe that we should do is based on the conviction and belief that we can seek to grow and we can work to grow and even begin to grow but actually be hindered from growing and even limited in what we do. See, we want to grow, we want to reach people, but we don't want to limit ourselves in how many people we can reach. We're after people. I said it last night. It's people, 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 and more people. Amen? Say, so I'm happy where we, are, where, we, where we are. Well, I'm not. And so I outvoted you on that one. Say amen right there. But uh, we don't want to limit ourselves. You see, church growth, when you talk about church growth, it's not without requirements. Follow me for a few moments. There is not only the matter of creating the ability to grow, TV and many other things, faith that we're doing all these things. It's not only the matter of creating the ability to grow, but there is also having the capability of handling growth and the capability of being able to grow, having the ability to grow, having the right tools to do it, but then having the ability to handle what you're after and what you're doing. It is a proven fact. Church growth experts through the years and studies have found numerous times that when a church reaches 80% of its capacity, that church growth, that growth will slow, it will decline, and it will eventually come to a stop. Can I say it again? It is a proven fact. It's not my theory. It is, the, is studies that come from numerous studies and different things been known for years that a church, when it reaches 80% of its capacity, will, growth will slow and growth will decline and growth will even come to stop. It is my, I am convinced that such a study explains why we have a period of time that we go up and we grow but then it kind of like we can't get over the hump. And then we kind of level back down, and then we go back up again, and then we kind of level back down again. And really, what it is, we settle back down where we were before, and in reality, that is but reflective of our ability. And it is but reflective of our capability. We are running in attendance what we're capable of running. We are having what we have the ability to run. We do not have the ability to run much more than what we're running. We do not have the ability in our educational facilities to have much more than what we've got. We do not have the ability in here to have much more than what we got. So in reality, we are doing what we can do. Now someone might say, but I saw two seats in front of me empty this morning. Or over here, someone says, I saw a few seats around me that were empty this morning. But the key to what you're saying is, I saw two seats here and I saw a few seats over here. That's the key. Two seats here and a few seats here. When the rest of it, the majority of it is filled. Again, I repeat, church growth experts and studies have found that when you reach 80%, you stop growing. For when things get to the place where people have, a difficulty, have difficulty finding a parking place, and they have to look for a seat every Sunday morning, they tend to go elsewhere. There have been a number of Sundays through this year that we have gone over 700. This place was absolutely packed. We had chairs in the aisle. Easter Sunday, we had 75 chairs in the aisle, 150 in the aisle on Sunday night. And then uh, 
uh, Mother's Day and the other days, uh, we were absolutely packed. There were people that actually came in and looked and turned around and left because there was no room to, to find a seat, especially that Sunday night when this thing was absolutely packed. And then I've noticed, someone told me not too long ago about a man that came to visit our church, drove through our parking lot, could not find a parking place, and went somewhere else, went down the road and joined another church. You see, when you get to a certain point and it becomes difficult for people to find a place and they have to fight to find a place and they have to look to find a place and have trouble finding a parking place, they have a tendency to go elsewhere. A few weeks ago, we decided to do something. I've always, through the years, I've heard someone say, well, the building seats this and the building seats that and does this, whatever there. So I tell you what I did. I said, I'm going to find out what it does see. So I got Terry and Aaron, gave them a ruler, and I said, boys, this is what I pay you for. I want you to go across the street. I want you to count every seat we've got over there, and I want you to measure every pew we've got, find out how many inches of pews. I want, I want to know exactly. I want you to count every pew in the balcony. I want you to count every pew in the wing. I want you to count every pew in the auditorium. I want you to count every choir, choir seat, and then I want you to bring it to me. So they did. They come over here and measured, what, 11,000-some inches of pews, wasn't it? At least I hope they counted right. Anyway, they come over here and measure. And then I called a church pew company and I said, I need your advice. Tell me how do you determine seating capacity? I said, I want to know what our building seats. How do you, what, what is the judge, what is the rule, what is the standard that you use to determine seating capacity? And they said an average of 20 to 21 inches. Now I know not all of us are 20, 21 inches. <laughs> I might fit in that category, but I don't know that everybody else will. But they said that's how you determine the seating capacity. So we took the, all the inches they had got, all the pews, and divided it by 21. So we, we, we didn't want 20, or 20, so we just divided it 21, because I got thinking about the average church member here, and I thought we better, we better go with 21 instead of 20. So we divided by 21, counted every choir seat that we have in this building here, counting the choir, every seat here, balcony, choir, wing, everything. Seats, 637. Now when you go to considering seating capacity, you really don't figure in the choir. So you take the choir seats away, that leaves us a seating capacity of 536. 80% of 536 is 428. If you throw the choir in there and throw the choir seats in there, 80% of that is 509. Now, when you stop and realize that right here, dead in the middle of July, which is the down month and the slow time, whatever, we're averaging well over 500 every Sunday, five, oh, 500 here today. So either way you look at it, either way you want to count it, you want to throw the choir in or take the choir out, any way you look at it, we are running over 80%. And again, I remind you, that's during the summertime. Now, if we want to grow and we want to reach more people, then we have to take the step necessary to create the ability and the capability of the ability to reach them and the capability to grow and for growth. As we are, we are limited. And we have a beautiful building. It is my, it, we have a beautiful building. We have a nice auditorium. We have a comfortable building. But it is my conviction where we are now, we are limiting ourselves if we stay right where we are. We are. So we're believing and we feel like that God is doing more than just the average. And so it is our proposal that we build a brand new auditorium that will seat somewhere around 12 to 1,300 people.
doubling our capacity, and expand our capability of growth. I talk with a lot of pastors, numerous pastors, and I've been visiting a lot of churches. Anytime I've been out of town, I've been here, been there, talking to different ones, and uh, churches that were in the same situation we are in, facing the same thing, battling for parking, battling for building, battling for more room, battling for this, that, and the other, and finding it and trying to stay on top of it, trying to keep the growth going and whatever like that. And they've all, without exception, told me that when they took that step of faith and finally realized they were limiting their self at the point they were and finally took a big step, they talked about the immediate growth they experienced and how it was the turning point in their church and how it was the turning point in their ministry. They decided, hey, look, we're not going to stay here. We're not going to limit what God can do for us, so this is the level we're going to, and it changed their church. Finally, parking has to be expanded. We've talked about that. We're working on that. Presently, we only have 245 parking spaces, over 500 here every Sunday, so uh, we're way below what we need. We know we've got to do that. We're working on that. We're presently looking at that, doing all kinds of studies and whatever, and considering several options and whatever. But basically... That's what we feel like God is leading us to do. That's what we feel like God is wanting us to do. So what we want to do, as we put our vision before you, we want to put it before you in a proposal, and we want to put it before you in a recommendation. And the recommendation we want to put before you is based on the following. Listen to me carefully. Are you, are you listening to me? Anybody passed out yet? Anybody passed out yet? Now, if you're mad, now it's time to get up so the rest of us know who you are. It's all right, now it's time to do it. This is our proposal. It's all what we're fixing to put before you is based on these following things. We have a balance on the building project that we're doing. We've been raising, we've raised somewhere around $50,000 over the past couple of months, two, three months for the remodeling project that's going on. What we've done in the past, we came before the church here a year or so ago and we established a line of credit and what we have done is we've raised money uh, all the money that we could get. Then we took the line of credit, made a draw whenever we needed the money. And the building projects, such as the, uh, the uh, project out front, uh, when we added the addition on front, uh, all of it somewhere around 145 close to $150,000. We made one withdrawal in the building of that project. We made a $30,000 withdrawal. That's been paid off. We, what we do with the line of credit, we have a year to pay it off, and we paid that off. It's every month we paid something on it, and it's been paid off. And that was our plans and the way we handled this. As we set up that line of credit a year or so ago, that what we'd do is raise all the money that came in for this. We'd apply it to that. Then the balance was left. Then we'd simply take the line of credit, do the same thing we did on the other, and pay it off month after month after month. Everything we had over $20,000 a month went to buildings and paying off debt and all that kind of thing. And so we have going to have a balance when this particular job is done. As we've told you before, this particular job is about a $190,000 job. So we're going to have a balance left over uh, based on what we have raised and what is going to come in and whatever like that. We also have the immediate need of parking. We've got to have that. That's something we can't put off. We have got to have that. We do not have sufficient parking as is. So there's an immediate need of parking and parking several thousand dollars. And I am learning of how the city of Chattanooga operates and meetings and different things like that. You no longer just can go out and pave a piece. Now you've got to hire civil engineers uh, to come in and design parking and all these uh, retention ponds and just tons of things and, and trees and bushes and all that kind of stuff, flowers and grass, all these kind of things. It's, it's so different now. And so it becomes a very, very costly thing for anybody in the city of Chattanooga to do. And that's not just in Chattanooga. That's just about every metropolitan area and whatever. And that's they say it's to keep things cooler. 
but apparently it's really working. I've noticed that the past few weeks it's really working, amen? But we have the immediate need of adding parking, which will consist of several thousand dollars. To go into TV ministry, there's the purchasing of TV equipment and lighting for the uh, building and all that kind of stuff. And then when it come, we talk about building, uh, we're talking about what we've decided to do and what we want to do is we're going to hire a church design and, and uh, growth or whatever specialist that company that comes in that will actually help us do a feasibility study of our finances. They'll help us to uh, come up with a master plan for our property. They'll help us to determine the kind of facility that we need. We have ideals of the facility that won't. We've suggested certain things. They'll be able to go through when it's all said and done and take them six to eight months to go through all of this and do a study for us and they'll help us to know how to, to work our properties, how to work our buildings and how to make them functional and to flow through them, all that kind of thing. They'll tell us where it'd be the best place to put it and the best way to build it in the whole nine yards and uh, so we realize we're going to another level and we're going to another level when it comes to doing these things. So we bring in someone to do that. So all of those things, the first thing, the two things we're asking you to do, first we're going to ask you to say yes or no to a new auditorium with the understanding that we're at a minimum of two, two and a half, three years away from doing it. What we're going to do tonight is ask you to say, do you want to build? And if you don't want to build, you don't have to build. But we're asking you to say you want to build. And then on down the road, a couple of years from now, they're going to be financing and we're going to be bringing to you and whatever. But that's a couple of years down the road. If we were starting today and we had the money in the bank today, it would be two years before we'd ever get started. It's about six, eight months to do the study for it. It'd be about another six, seven, eight months to do all the drawings, architectural drawings and so forth like that. And then it'd be about another six, seven months where you have to go through, get all the permits. So we're a year and a half, two years at the most before we could even break ground. So that gives us two years that we've got to fight with where we are, but also two years in which we'll focus all of our attention to the building and so forth like that. Bringing in someone, but what we want to do now is bring in someone to prepare for it and so forth like that. Second thing we want to do is we feel like that when it comes to reaching people, we got to do that now. We may be limited in certain ways, but we've got to do everything we can to reach people. So when we talk about the TV ministry, when I talk about down the road, we're talking about doing that now. We're talking about getting into that now because that will help us to reach more people, bring more people in the church, more people that come into the church, the quicker we'll be able to be ready to do the building and so forth like that. So we're wanting to make the recommendation we do that now and also to do the building. This is how we would like to do it. This is how Ms. Seven, the deacon board, would like to make the recommendation to the church that we go ahead and we've looked at it, we've talked about it, we've prayed about it, we've discussed it, and everybody's in agreement with this, and we think this is what God wants. We've prayed about it, and we've opened our hearts and said, does, what does the Lord want? Is this where He's leading us and whatever? What we feel is the best thing for us to do right now in order for us to do all the things we need to do is to go ahead and get the money that we need right now to retire the balance that we have on the present building project, whatever that balance would be, after money we've got raised, whatever there, to get the money we need to retire that balance, to get the money we need to add the additional parking that we need, to get the money that we need to get the equipment for the TV ministry, and as well hire a church consultant, designing consultant company to come in and help us in stage one to do a feasibility study of all the things and help us determine what we can do, when we can do it, and all of those kind of things. So that's what we're asking you to do. And what we're asking you to do is we're going to ask you in just a moment to approve the securing of a loan of $300,000, which will enable us to do all of that. And what we'll do is focus over the next two or three years. We'll do like we've done every month and, and, and paying everything out. I want you to understand, we don't have, a, we don't have any debt whatsoever. 
We don't have any debt whatsoever here at this church. We don't have any loans anywhere. We don't have any debts whatsoever. But we want to go ahead and feel like we need to do this now, and this paves the way for the bigger goals down the road, and we want to go ahead and just get the money we need, do all these things that we've got to do them now because we feel like there's some things we have to do, such as parking, debt retirement that we have, or the balance that will be due on this, not debt, but balance that will be due on the project we have. These things we've got to do this. And then we're going to ask you to approve those things. But before we do so, I want you to look at Nehemiah 2, 18. I want you to look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18. And here's a statement. So they strengthen their hands for this good work. You see the word strengthen there, it simply means they took courage. Nehemiah come to them and said, this is what God has put in my heart. And they didn't run from the great task ahead of them, but they strengthened their hands, they took courage, and they began to do what God was leading them to do. They were courageous. Why? Look at chapter 2, verse 20. They said, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. In other words, they didn't back down from what God was leading them to do. They saw God. They heard God. They followed God. And they said, the God of heaven, he's going to enable us to do what he's wanting us to do. So they strengthened their hands. They took courage. And they took the step of faith to do what God wanted them to do. We've been talking about what we want to do. That's it. That's what we want to do. It's the biggest steps we've ever taken as a church. There is no step we've ever taken compared to it. But it really boils down, do we want to stay here? Do we want to go here? Do we want to limit what we can do or do we want to expand our capabilities of what we can do? That's what it boils down to. Have you listened to me? All right, consider yourself now in business. We'll put the recommendations up on the screen for you. Recommendation number one is this. A Temple Baptist Church approved the building of a new auditorium, began the process of building a new auditorium. Let me clarify that recommendation. That does not mean that you're approving loans or anything at that point. You're approving the fact, proving the, our process of beginning to get ready for it. Loans and anything that might occur, all of that will come down the road. Final plans, approval, all that will be presented to you at a later time. What we're simply saying tonight is, if you want to build and you feel like this is where God wants us to go, if it takes us three years, four years, or five years, we're going after it. If you approve it tonight, then we dedicate ourselves from the time we walk out of this building to getting ready to moving into a brand new auditorium. That's our first recommendation, that Temple Baptist began the process of building a new auditorium as we do our studies, it'll seat anywhere between 13 and 1,500. All in favor of that, you vote yay by standing to your feet. All opposed, like sign. So motion carried, and all of God's people said, Amen. I believe you can do better than that. Amen. I believe you can do better than that. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Second recommendation is the Temple Baptist Church borrowed $300,000 to pay off the balance that we will have from the new present additions to add new parking and to purchase equipment to begin a TV ministry. As I said a moment ago, we have no existing debt. That is our second recommendation. All in favor of that, would you stand to your feet, please? All opposed? Like sign. Motion carried. Let's 
take off for the glory of God. Amen? We go that way. You're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave. Go out and tell everybody what the Lord is doing. You're dismissed.